celebration when it was far from a celebration. The whole process of Christmas was very difficult and because the celebration is, is, it is the entrance. It's the entrance of the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings being introduced to a world saying, this is your Emmanuel, he's coming. But that's not how it hit a lot of people. There are some people who had to pay a price to hear about this gift, the greatest gift that he is gonna come by virgin birth because the savior of man has to be a man. It has to be someone who has the frailties and, and accepts the sins. He's perfectly capable of sin. See, God's not capable of sin, but we needed to have someone who is capable of sin who never sinned to be the perfect sacrifice. He had to be a kinsman. That's what we call him, the kinsman redeemer. Someone that had all the pain and anguish, dreams. That's a human part of Jesus. Remember him in the garden, if this could pass from me. Don't make me drink of this cup. But not my will, thine. So our kinsmen redeemed. Though what a great story. The entrance of the Savior of the world. And you think, even if you think about the story of what Jesus is going to have to endure, the rejection, the flogging, the beating, the him seeing dear friends of him turn him in, turn their back on him. You think, what's great about that story? The end result, the end. The greatest gift God has ever. So that's what, you know, and, and so some people get offended you know, that we're celebrating, we give gifts and stuff like that. We're celebrating the greatest thing that's ever happened. So, you know, let us celebrate, but we do need to remember what happened at the first Christmas because there's a lesson there. You know, God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So the lesson that he was teaching us on this delivery of the greatest gift given to mankind, I believe he is still teaching the church. So we want to take a look at some of those lessons to, to feel it. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be referring to Matthew chapter one, starting about verse 20. And there's only a little mention of this, but instead of us thinking, oh, Mary, you know, you know, you know, the, the, Young virgin, you know, walking around like, oh, it's a wonderful thing. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. She finds out that she's pregnant, having to go to the man that she's betrothed to and say, hey, God did this. And I was like, okay. Uh, how do you deal with that? I mean, because he absolutely loved her. He's been working a year to provide a home for her to come to. There's a lot of going on. And I want you to know the greatest gift's coming, but there are some incredible fears and painful things that had to take place for this kinsman redeemer to fulfill the prophecies from old. 
So we, we wanted to appreciate this, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna concentrate on Joseph. Mary had a difficult time too. You know, to, to understand and, and having to go to Joseph and explain, yeah, you know, those are difficult times. But often when God opens a door for us and brings us a gift, it can bring chaos. It can bring pain. It looks like just a whole bunch of manure. See how I said manure? <laughs> it's that. Where it's really, in God's eyes, is an opportunity. Many times when he comes with a ministry that he wants you to move into, a gift that he wants to give you, fear hits us because all I see is the responsibilities of it. That's why at Christmas time, do not give a puppy to somebody. You're thinking, oh, it's a great gift. And they're going, what a pain this is going to be. I got to feed and walk it. And it's a responsibility. I think that's why a lot of, a lot of young women get abortions. Is not, I mean, anytime that there's a life that's about to be, anytime you can give something life, there's going to be joy. But how much responsibility is tied with it? As people going, you know, I'm going to re- I, I don't see the joy. All I see is a responsibility. It's unfathomable that they, somebody, you know, those of us who enjoy their children or our grandchildren, it's unfathomable to us that somebody would abort something that it was meant to, to bring joy, that to see the miracle of God happen. But it's because people are afraid of responsibility. They don't want it. And it's the same when God presents a gift or calling to us immediately we can move into fear because all I see is chaos and change and responsibility and we have a tendency to run away from it. And that's exactly what happened here in the first Christmas story. It's amazing to me that God chose, all right, I just think you're a man, okay, even if you're a woman. And actually, that's quite acceptable today. Um, <laughs> Joseph chose this young girl. She was virtuous. She was was the definition of what he thought was beautiful and virtuous. And God comes along and says, well, an angel comes along and says, you know who else thought your wife was virtuous and beautiful? God. (laughs) She's pregnant. That's, you know, instead of Joseph going, hey, I chose what God chose. God chose what I chose. That's not how it hits you. But somehow we think in this romantic Christmas story like, oh, deck. You know, Joseph's going, deck the halls with boughs of holly. La, 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 la. The girl I'm engaged is to be pregnant. La, 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 la. That's not something you rejoice over. Can you imagine the pain? The rejection. In fact, the Bible says that this righteous man tried to figure out how can I get out of this. This was an act purely of God, but it did not feel that way. It didn't seem that way. Fear has struck their heart. 
to get through this chaos, what to do. I believe that many gifts that God gives, even the gift of salvation can bring chaos. I lost my best man at my wedding, friend, childhood friend, over salvation. He accepted the Lord fairly the same time as I did, but he went home, he told his father who was a physician, his father said, you're gonna reject me and hate me? He goes, no. He goes, well, I don't believe there's a God, and you do, so you're rejecting me. He renounced the kingdom. And because of my walk, as I said, I'm gonna serve you, Lord. And I, I, Chris and I got married, and I had to reject him. It's like your best friend, your bosom buddy, the, the one you know that would stick to you no matter what. And No. Salvation, the gift of eternity, brings chaos and change. And as these decisions to accept one gift, sometimes we have to close another door. So it doesn't matter if it's the gift of salvation. Being chosen of God or selected is gonna run and bring confusion, disarray, junk. How can this be of God? Ask Joseph that, because he was asking that. Mary had to be continually convinced of it, but she knew she had not had any marital relations with anybody. Even when Joseph, he had wrestled with the, you know, the, the, the whole the thing and, the, and the, the, the angel appeared to him, even then the Bible makes note, it said that he had no sexual relationship with his wife until she had given birth to Jesus. That's tough. He was a righteous man and he struggled with accepting this calling. He, he struggled with the, the concept that, you know what? God has not just entrusted the woman that I want to marry, but he's entrusted me to raise the savior of the world. Because he was his stepdad. That's not how, we don't look at the, possibilities of good things. The first thing that hits us is fear. And how can I get out of this without losing faith? Because God is the God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And if this Christmas story applies to Joseph and Mary, actually Elizabeth and, you know, it applies to us, some of us here. That Something has crashed through your front door. And we're just trying, how do I get out of this? How do, how do you know it's not God? How do you know this, this isn't the Lord answering something that's in your heart to go to the next level, but to go to the next level, we've got to close some doors. Hmm. It's one of the reasons I think that this coming year, this church as a whole and individually is going to see great doors opening.
But before that door opens, I can believe it. But you know what? It's almost like I'm speaking on us. Oh, bring us some tough times. Because some doors have to be closed. Some habits have to be changed. Oh, that's what, I don't want that, but I want the gift. I want, I just don't want to have to close the door that has to be closed. Let me give you a story. Sometimes when God gives you a gift or a calling, it often worries you before it blesses you. And so many times that we give in to the worries and try to find our way out. I worked for um, a mega ministry. I was the young adult pastor, the high school pastor, the middle school pastor, and the, youth, uh, the children's pastor. I was the million dollar man. And in building this church, it was just forming and building. I said, let's go for it. The, the board had just built a brand new building. They were so proud of it, beautiful. I thought, now I, can, I got something to work with. And so I uh, knew a guy who was the keyboard player for Leonard Skinner Band. And he just got out of prison. Of course, you, that's the thing you do when you get out of prison, come see Mark. Um, <laughs> yeah, just don't see Mark before you go into prison. I might be there with you. Um, so I said, how about getting, he got saved. He, he got jailhouse Jesus. And so <laughs> it's a real popular thing. So, um, so he gets out after accepting jailhouse Jesus and he really is saved. I said, here's what we need to do. I got a building. You get, you get some musicians together and you have the name Leonard Skinner. And now Leonard Skinner had a plane crash in 1979 and uh, the Leonard Skinner, it was not a man. It was the gym teacher of the band. Okay, they just named the band that. And so he goes, okay, he goes, I, we're gonna spread the gospel. So I, he, he got a band together. They played a few places. And so I got on the local rock station, you know, and did a commercial, WMMR. And he goes, in 1979, the demise with a plane crash at the Leonard Skinner Band was an end of Southern rock. But not anymore. They're back performing a free concert at Orlando Christian Center. And I was wondering if anybody would come. Oh, they came. I think it was our first capacity auditorium. I mean, just our first time we've 1,200 people showed up. And you walk in and there's just this smell. Kind of sweet, pungent. So I'm like, what am I going to do? What can I do? So I go out in the parking lot and it's covered in empty beer cans. So I knew the board had already had trouble with me because they're the ones who had the mortgage on the building. This is having the mind of Christ, men, women. So one of those board members who was a large man came up, grabbed me, put me on the wall. This is right before it started. 
Gray smoke is coming out the back exit doors in the hallway where we were. He grabbed me, put me against the wall. He goes, this ends now, go up and shut it down. I'm like, "Uh, just a minute. I have something in my back pocket you might want to read. You cannot stop this concert, Benny Hinn. He went, and he left. A couple of months later, my boss who hired me, friend, called me and he goes, I can't do anything the board wants you fired. And I said, well, you're the one who hired me. You're the only one who can fire me. They hired everyone else, the board did, but Benny hired me because we were, we were friends. And he knew the ministry I had in Philadelphia. And so I go, you don't have to fire me. He said, if, if this is gonna help, I quit. I will resign. And so I resigned. Now I want you to know, here's a good side of the story. That board member that held me up that just just could not stand me, attended this church. He's passed away. His name was Mr. Benton. Before Mr. Benton died, I was telling him how much I wish I knew him growing up because of the disciplines. He was a very hard man. I said, but I didn't have the disciplines put in me. I loved my dad, but I, I said, the disciplines, and he said, oh, I wish you were my son. Same man. I, th- I don't know about you. I think that's, that's just God. So I go home. A couple of my leaders come with me. I just told them, hey, I just resigned. AKA fired. Um, <laughs> the only place I've ever been fired from was church. <laughs> you know, I got the left foot of fellowship. I was going, this isn't what I read. <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, Thanks for coming. Get out. Um, I go home. I think I picked up some Kentucky Fried Chicken. They're in there going, yes. A door has closed. Thus saith the Lord. My wife, I think, uh, Aslan's too. Jared is in her belly. She's like, party? You're fired? Oh, deck the halls with bows on. Because that door shut, this door opened. Six months later, you guys were in my living room having church. And here we are now. But it sure didn't feel like, deck the halls with bowels on high. Door has to shut before one opens. If you, if you concentrate on that shut door, the loss, the fear, what was it? You'll never see that over here a door opened. We're in the season of Christmas. Hey, I want you to have your spiral cut ham. But when the Lord presses in and wants to give you a gift or something crashes through the front door, you're going, it's all over. Nothing's after this. We're done. So basically, it's not the gift I want us to be concerned about. It's the wrapper that it comes in. The wrapping of the gift. I don't know how many of y'all played the white elephant 
game this Christmas. I've been in two of them, and I always get the white elephant. I got, you know, someone got a, an air fry cooker at our last one, and I got a box of popcorn. <laughs> um, I could have cooked this in that fryer. It's, you look at the wrapper, this got to be something good in that. Mm, popcorn. You know, I, and I just, I, if Kale, my grandson, my eldest grandson is in here, you know, if you need to run out and cry right now, it's, I'm going to bring up his grandmother, Dr. C, wrapped a present for Christmas. This was a couple years ago. Wrapped a Chris, his Christmas present up and, you know, had to get a box to put it in and put the wrapper on it because you didn't want it. You know, didn't feel what the present was. And so she hands it to him. He rips it open and in the box, the box said, iPad. It ended up being a book. <laughs> She's like, iPad. It's a book. I might even open the book to see if there was an iPad hiding in it. <laughs> No. The wrapper. God's gift comes in a situation. God's calling comes in environments that are just chaos and pain. I can't see anything good coming from this. Don't cheat God. That's how the first Christmas began. That's how the introduction of the greatest gift ever started with stuff crashing through the front door. Sometimes God's gift is just wrapped in tragedy. So we can't, we can't judge a gift by its wrapping. How many times have you heard something like that? We can't, yet we do. Great gifts I had the greatest gift that I could ever have, enlarging my family, but it came with getting fired. It came with getting fired. And it was those moments, you know, not, not only the things, the fears that I had to overcome, but I had to see my wife overcome. It took her a lot longer than it did me. <sighs> God can be giving a gift without you feeling gifted at all. Some of us, something's already happened and you've, you've got to back up and go, okay. But here's the key that, that we learn from Joseph, that we've learned from our own lives, that there are three fears that we have to overcome. And I want you to identify with them because unless you do, you're not going to be a part of the story that God has planned for you. Until Joseph embraced, good golly, how can I get out of this? But I'm not. I'm going to do it. Until he embraced that, he was about to give up a, being a part of the greatest story ever told. His name is mentioned every year because he was faithful to what the Lord told him through the angel, what he knew about God because he was a righteous man. But it took everything in him and a visitation of the angel 
to get him there. So let's take a look. The three fears Joseph had to overcome. The first one, the fear of what people perceive. What's going to be their perception? If they hear this, they're going to think this of me or them or that or this and that I didn't. I can't be condemned. I've condemned myself all as much as I can. I can't have my friends, my church condemn me all over again. I've already worked through it. So you know the answer for people who are in a church and God gives a calling or exposes something in their life to shut a door? They usually leave the church and go to another church where they don't know, ah, where I screwed up or this happened or that happened. And you know what? You deny the power of, of the cross when you do that because when they see you restored and you're given a ministry empowered by a shut door, instead of them seeing how God has turned this thing completely around and restored you to a level that you've never been before, given you a ministry you've never had before, if you leave, no one sees that power. You just go off to this place and be a nice person. Nothing bad has ever happened. <laughs> I, lo I love y'all's story. Uh, the first time I really met, met them, he comes up, he goes, you know, I used to be a drug dealer and, and his wife goes, I was gay. <laughs> like, well, I see the power, the cross in that one and they're holding a baby. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. said, Some real healing went on in there. I believe, you know, I just want you to know, I believe in y'all's salvation. <laughs> okay. Uh, oh my God. That's the power of the cross. If, you, if you've come here today and you said, I've never seen the power cross, come meet them. Some of y'all can go, whoo, and others can go, ow. Okay, that's right. I'm telling you what people think, what they say, the fear, they're gonna misinterpret what's going on, blah, blah, blah. Probably, you're probably right. So what do you do? Run away? Deny the power of the cross? Deny what open door the Lord's given? The possibility? This Christmas shake off the fear of being mis misinterpreted the wrong perception. Shake it off. If you want this coming year to be an open door. I want open doors. The fear of provision. Can you afford this gift? Can we afford getting fire, uh, fired? You, it's just, what, you really weren't even fired? You resigned? Do you not see what's in my belly? Our house is not finished yet. That was a real. I can't afford what God is calling me to do next. What God is calling me to endure. And I want you to know, in this fear of provision, Joseph had provision. He had a dowry to marry this woman. So there was money there. He had to 
put her on a donkey and go to Bethlehem for the census. That takes money, by the way. Hey, who goes on a trip without any money? Foolish. Then he gets there and he's gonna look for a hotel. Whenever you all go on vacation, you go, no, we drove for 16 hours. We drove straight through. I'm thinking, you didn't have any money. <laughs> that's, my, that's my motivation for 16 hours. You know, you know, for us, Crystal and I now, we, we're gonna go somewhere that's eight hours away. Man, we hit four hours going, I see a Hampton Inn right there. You know, it's like, and I remember days of no money. It was like, I'm gonna speed. I mean, I'm gonna get home 10 minutes early before I fall asleep. You know? Wow. And you're only laughing because you know it to be true. He goes and he's looking for a hotel room. He has provision. But there's a provision that's beyond. Oh, I got money. For all you people who have always had money, you're you know, older and you've got some wealth now and you're going, well, I'm not afraid of provision. We're not, we're, this provision is far beyond that. Because this provision, money could not buy. He could not get a hotel or a place to stay. What he could not do with money, God did supernaturally and finding a manger. So what money can't do, God can. So don't rest on your money. Don't rest on your relationship. Don't rest on this. There's a place of provision that only comes from God because if you're holding something above trusting in God, he's gonna see to it that that's taken away. Some doors have to be shut. And I love revelations. This is actually a verse for the Gentiles because I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. The Lord is opening a door that no one can shut. Oh, wait a minute. You can't shut the door, but you can keep your, your, your will, your self-will, you can keep yourself from walking through it. it. may not shut. You're just the one who won't walk through it. This is on us. This is Christmas. Back the houses, We're gonna deck the, house, the, the halls, but I want you to know that this is the one season that people are the most depressed in. This is the season you remember. This is the first year I'm not having Christmas with this person because they passed. It's a tough, tough season. Could it be an open door? That's the question. Well, number three. Fear of providence. I want you to know providence is not just a city in Rhode Island. But providence means divinity or God guidance. God got me here. You know, the fear of providence that God is not gonna be in this. I don't really fear the leading of the Lord right now with all the chaos in my life. I've just got to trust in the providence in my life. God has a plan. Even if you're the one who screwed it up or someone else screwed it up for you, 
you are the Lord's. There's providence. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, what's the word? Do not be afraid. He did not see the providence. Even at the appearing of the angel, the angel had the first thing he said. He goes, listen, you wonder why he says, Joseph, son of David. Because if an angel's coming to tell you something that big a news and try to change your mind, if he didn't call you by name, you're thinking, I think he's got somebody else. <laughs> you know, I think, uh, you know, he didn't show up going, hey, Bob. You know, <laughs> he had to call him by, he goes, no, you, I know you, you are the one I came to give the message to. Fear not. Number one, forget what I've got to say right now. The first thing you got to do is fear not. The first thing we have to do in here is to be convinced that this is a Christmas story for you, for this church. So tell yourself, fear not. Fear not. Think of that thing that you know that's crashing into your life right now or you're on the precipice of. You know God's calling you to do something. Tell it. Fear not. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what she's conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Man, let me tell you, it sure doesn't feel like it. It doesn't look like it. People aren't gonna see it this way. That's what's going through you right now. That's what's gone through you in the past. Remember, God didn't shut the door because if the door no longer appears to you, it's because you didn't walk through it. He's got more than one door. It may seem like you only have one door, but he's got many doors. If you open yourself up to saying, fear not, fear not. It's interesting that the, the angel had to put Joseph asleep to do this. And I'll tell you why. Why many of us have not heard from the Lord. It's because you're so consumed with the fear that you can't hear what the Lord is saying when you're conscious. There have been times where I've been so, so stressed out, didn't know which way to go, that you know when the Lord spoke to me is in my sleep. I know he spoke to me in my sleep because 99.9% of all my dreams are about me catching the touchdown, shooting the winning shot, you know, uh, in the mall in my underwear. Uh, <laughs> who else has that, that dream? That's just like, you know, I'm just walking along. And all of a sudden, it's just a, it's a, obviously a fear in my life, but <laughs> unless thank God it's a fear in my life. Um, he had to put him to sleep and you know what the Lord has to put me to sleep because I'm so consumed with my fear sometimes here's what we need to say whatever God starts he will finish whatever he starts and you know one of the things he started you're here today you're here today to hear this he started something today just because you heard this part of the Christmas story. So that you'll be able to say this 
to yourself when it crashes through, when it's too tough, when you think you can't afford what God's called you to or put your situation finished. Whatever, Lord, you start, you'll finish. I don't know how. I need, I need providence. I need providence. Stand with me. Sharp. This is a moment. <laughs> This is a moment and we have time to do it. Last time I spoke, I had the band to come up and do a song and it was, we were 15 minutes long and I just walked off with my mic on and going, nah. <laughs> that just kind of kills the moment. But there's, there's, there's makeup of this song. that It's old school. But there's such a truth to it. You're, you're, the, what's worth, wonderful about worship and their doctrinally correct songs is that you are confessing in song to the Lord. Allow the Holy Spirit, on the way here I said, Holy Spirit, not me, you move on those that you need to move upon. This is a huge thing. This is, this is your 2022. When everything's going this way, God has got you going that way. When you're being challenged, you just know that he is going to finish what crap started right here. He is going to finish it, and I'm going to understand why. I'm going to be better when I finish than where I started. So before we sing, say this with me, would you? Whatever God starts, he will finish. Now, you've said that out loud. I want you to take your finger. Do not point at anyone. Point it at yourself and say it again. You're preaching to yourself. Whatever God starts, he will finish.